Hello, people. I'm a very stable genius. And that's going to be the start of the show. Um, I am a very stable genius, just like uh, Mr. Trump is. And I wanted to start with this. spoken to him. I don't know anything about him. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails. The entire thing has been a witch hunt and uh, there is no collusion. What the hell is going on? What the hell is going on? What the hell is going on with Trump and Russia? So far, there's precious little evidence, only a deluge of questions. Trump denies it all. The central allegation against President Trump is that his campaign colluded with Russia to hack leading Democrats during the election. The truth? So, uh, here we have... The main conspiracy theory that Trump hacked, uh, helped or colluded with Russia to hack the DNC and get the Democrat emails. But I'm not going to take a lot of time on this because I've, I've spoken about this before on Twitter. And for all of my followers on Twitter, uh, they know that there is one question that I keep repeating over and over and over what did Trump and Russia do exactly? Well, that's the thing that that's the million dollar question. Uh, no one knows exactly what Trump and Russia did exactly because there is zero evidence of any collusion between Trump and Russia. So where did this all begin? Well, where it began was uh, if if you guys don't really know the story behind uh, Russia hacking into the DNC emails or John Podesta's emails. Um, I'm going to give you a little summary. Uh, back in 2016, WikiLeaks uh, took and um, they took and published the Democratic National Committee's emails along with John Podesta. Now, if you don't know who John Podesta is, John Podesta was Hillary Clinton's campaign uh, chairman. He, was, he ran her campaign. He also worked uh, for her husband, uh, Bill Clinton, in the White House. They've had a relationship uh, for 20-plus years, and John Podesta and the political circle is known to be a good... Um, uh, basically a good fundraiser. Uh, he, um, he's good at, uh, taking and organizing, uh, political events. And he also has a brother named Tony Podesta who has a lot of business dealings in the country of Ukraine, which we'll talk about later as well. Well, um, let me get started with John. <clears throat> This is what happened with John. If you've ever received, have, have, if, if you've ever been scammed, you will know that a lot of scammers will use emails to scam you. 
and um, that's exactly what John Podesta, how John Podesta was was scammed. He was never hacked. Let me get this straight. John Podesta was never hacked by an individual. What happened to John Podesta was that he was fished, P-H-I-S-H-E-D. He was fished. And what that means is, is that someone sent him an email and it looked, the appearance of the email looked like it came from Google. And it basically said, listen, you need to update your password. And John Podesta fell for it. So basically, John Podesta put in his old password or his current password and then put in his new password twice like you would change your email password. If anybody's changed their email password, you know exactly what this looks like. So John Podesta did that, press sent, and then it got sent to the individual who sent him that email, which was not Google. We don't know if it was a Russia agent. We don't know who this person is, but that's exactly how that took place. So once this person got a hold of John Podesta's emails, he sent them to WikiLeaks and then uh, WikiLeaks published them. Now let's go to the DNC real quick. The DNC had all of their emails um, uploaded to WikiLeaks, and WikiLeaks published them. And basically, um, when the Democratic National Committee figured out that there was a breach in their security, in their systems, who did they call? Does anybody know? Well, I'll tell you, it was a company who, by the way, uh, one of the founders of the company is from the country Ukraine, which we'll talk about later. Uh, they, the company is called CrowdStrike, and CrowdStrike is a um, company uh, basically um, specializes in security you can you can google it up i'm not i'm not going to sit there and be all professional with this podcast and 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 read from a wiki uh wikipedia and and try to you know uh be as uh a genius that i am i'm not going to sit there and pretend to know information that i don't all i know is that crowdstrike was founded by a ukrainian and they were um they do specialize in uh uh, software security. And so CrowdStrike investigated this breach instead of the FBI. CrowdStrike basically uh, came up with um, algorithms, I can't even say that word. Uh, and they also um, looked at the sophistication on how the DNC servers was breached. And basically they said that uh, there was a lot of Russian malware used. Now, 
Has anybody downloaded a app that was from another country that was built from another country? Or let's just say uh, you're from England and you download um, Snapchat or Facebook or Instagram. A lot of that, uh, a lot of that software is going to show that it was made in the United States. I'm kind of giving you an analogy here. I'm kind of giving you um, how to look at stuff in the eyes of um, computer coding and software. Just because you downloaded Facebook from England doesn't mean um, that... uh, you are from America. What I mean is this. Just because I would use a Russian software to attack you doesn't mean that I'm Russian. But that's exactly how CrowdStrike went about investigating this and exactly why they say that Russians attacked the DNC servers was because Russian malware was found on the servers. Now, where are those servers? No one knows. Well, the DNC knows. But the DNC will not allow the FBI or CIA to investigate this breach. And you have to ask yourself why. You have to ask yourself why in the hell would they not allow the best of the best government to investigate this breach and get to the bottom of who really hacked into their server? Well, here's the problem. I am, my background is in computers and I'm a software analyst. And so I'm stuck at a keyboard all day and I know what data transfer looks like. And I am not the I'm I actually thought this. This is this is the cool thing about it is when I heard this story I sit there and figured out okay, well that that okay, it's Russians but or they use Russian malware, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it was Russians. That was my first thought, but I just put it aside. And then I learned more about this breach and I learned about the data transfer. Now, if you take and you have, let's say, Comcast Internet or Xfinity Internet, and then someone else has, uh, let's say, um, a fiber optic Internet, uh, Roadrunner, or uh, let's say that you live in a rural area and you have, um, let's say, Frontier or some sort of DSL connection. All of those connections are different in speed. Uh, fiber optic is completely fast. You can get up to um, a gig of data um, per second, uh, downloading and uploading. And let's say that you go through DSL. Well, you're you're only going to get maybe uh, less than 20 megabytes per second. So that that difference of a speed is going to um, you you're going to be able to tell by uh, data transfer on on any system on the speed. And the problem with the the 
the question that I have with this whole investigation on the DNC servers was that the speed was phenomenal, uh, meaning that it, there was there was a it couldn't have been an outside uh, connection. Um, it's it would it would be possible, but if it was possible, then it it I I just don't know uh, with Russia with uh, if it was Russia and inside Russia and not inside the United States. Let's say that it was inside the United States uh, that the the breach happened and there was um, a figure. Of course, they're not going to use a direct connection because a direct connection will basically show their location. So they're going to use um, basically a VPN to get into this um, system. A VPN is a virtual private network. So basically your connection is going to bounce around and you really cannot pinpoint where your connection is. It's very secure. A lot of people, a lot of journalists use VPNs. A lot of people uh, overseas use VPNs because uh, it allows them a connection to the outside world uh, without being, uh, being completely anonymous. Well, um, the connection with the DNC servers, uh, the data transfer of all their emails to the location where it was sent to was phenomenal. So if you have a VPN that you're working with and it's bouncing around, that data is going to slow down at a certain point. Well, the data that was being transferred was not slowed, slowed down at all. It was consistent, meaning that the whole conspiracy theory behind, and I'm not going to um, get into the guy who was murdered. Uh, his name is Seth Rich. I'm not going to get into that because I haven't really studied that um, thoroughly. But uh, if there was a data transfer to happen, it had to have been, it's more consistent to say it was through a USB drive. That's the speed, if you take the speed of a USB drive and you look at the data transfer on a, a USB drive and then you compare it to the information that CrowdStrike has, it's very, very similar. So what did Russia and Trump do exactly? Well, let me go ahead and we'll continue this. The whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God. There are now five separate congressional inquiries into Trump and Russia. The former director of the CIA spoke to one. It should be clear to everyone that Russia brazenly interfered in our 2016 presidential election process and that they undertook these activities despite our strong protests and explicit warning that they not do so. That is the unified judgment of all the U.S. intelligence agencies. I first heard about Russia interfering in the U.S. election process in early 2016. One of Donald Trump's Republican opponents sent me to meet someone who'd retired from the U.S. intelligence community. You know, his former spy said to me, we've just had a recording from one of our allies which shows the Russians trying to help Donald Trump in the election. Whether that recording or any recording like it really exists is the subject of the many investigations into what relationship the Trump campaign had with the Kremlin. But So, 
that is that is the key that the media will use is that it's speculative uh they assume if you really read into their language you'll hear all those words assumption presume assume they never say downright that it actually happened because it never did happen and there uh, we we went this country went through 3 years of investigations on this topic and not one shred of evidence other than Trump saying Russia if you have Hillary's emails if you can find Hillary's 33,000 emails please do and if anyone pays attention if anyone pays attention at all with Trump we all know that he says things in jest all the time so anyone with any amount of t- intelligence in them would know that he was joking. But that is what the actual media uses as pure evidence that Russia that he was communicating to Russia. And I think that that is just nonsense. Absolutely nonsense. So what did Obama say about this? Let me uh, skip through this real quick. I'm sorry about this. Not the most professional podcast, but uh, it is good information. But Obama, Obama had some choice words to the American people. And here it is right here spent most of that press conference explaining, defending his own administration's response to their own intelligence assessment that Russia was indeed interfering in the U.S. presidential election. He shared this story of how he personally warned Vladimir Putin, and he hinted that a more forceful response could come. At his year-end press conference, President Barack Obama revealed his warning to Vladimir Putin about interfering in the 2016 presidential election. Cut it out, and there were going to be some serious consequences if he didn't. Yet many in his party are frustrated that he didn't do more. And Obama's explanation offered little comfort to aggrieved Democrats. I wanted to make sure that everybody understood we were playing this thing straight, that we weren't trying to advantage one side or another. Facing the press as reports emerged that the FBI now agrees with the CIA that the Russian government, by hacking into Democratic emails, tried to elect Donald Trump. But the president refusing to go that far. We have not seen evidence of machines being tampered with. Uh, So that assurance I can provide. All but confirming an NBC News story that the Russian president himself approved the cyber attacks. Not much happens in Russia without Vladimir Putin. A potential starting point for the Senate Intelligence Committee, which announced a hearing into the hacks led by Senator Richard Burr, who defended intelligence professionals whose analysis has been questioned by President-elect Trump, saying, quote, unlike many in Washington, though, they check politics at the office door and focus on their mission. Before leaving with his family for Hawaii for the holidays, a mostly defensive president, but a hint of offense. So at a point in time where we've taken certain actions that we can divulge publicly, we will do so. There are times where the message will go will be directly received by the Russians and not publicized. 
So there was direct uh, communications with the Russians that weren't publicized. What were those direct communications? If you remember back in 2012, before the elections, he was caught on, President Obama was caught on a hot mic with uh, the Prime Minister Medyev. And he said, basically, I'm paraphrasing, but after the elections, I'll have more flexibility. Relay that to Putin. So we know that Obama did not stop if Russia did happen to um, meddle and in, in, in hack into the DNC emails. He did not stop, even though... Um, he said that uh, they had foreknowledge that it was going to happen. That that story does not make sense to me. It does not make sense in a lot of areas because if um, if they wanted Hillary Clinton elected, which everyone did, including the media and uh, all of the Washington elites, then you would think that Obama, if he wanted his legacy to continue, would stop an election interference period but he did not and he had to come out in defense of his own actions uh, uh, for that very reason now here here's 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 the problem that i have with all this and this is just i'm going to sum this up if you guys remember um donald trump was uh belittled and blasted by the media for not saying that he would accept the election results. He got that question in the debate. And uh, Hillary Clinton thought it was just um, uh, crazy that a person running for the President of the United States would say such a thing. Yet for three years, we have not had the Democrats accept the fact that the American people voted for Donald Trump and elected him as president. You heard it for yourself right then and there that President Obama said that there is absolutely zero evidence that any hacking uh, occurred on any voting machine. And we know that because voting machines aren't online. They're not connected online. So it would be impossible for a person to hack a voting machine unless it happened on site. So that's all I have to say about Russia. Just in summary, basically, it's just a bunch of bullshit. And I feel uh, that this was a predetermined, um, this was pre-planned. And it was predetermined to blame Trump if he won uh, the insurance policy. Uh, blame Trump and Russia for the win in 2016. Um, now, along with Ukraine, if you... Uh, and I'm not going to stay on this topic uh, very long because I got a couple other things that I want to speak about personally and some uh, video games that I want to talk about. Uh, but if you look at uh, Ukraine real quick and the perfect phone call, um, Donald Trump basically called uh, the president, the newly elected president of Ukraine. And what he, uh, it was a con congratulatory, 
congratulatory phone call, and basically um, they talked a little bit about policy. Now, if anyone knows politics, if anyone knows um, civics at all, you would know that the top law enforcement official in the United States is actually, in fact, the president of the United States. It's not the CIA director. It's not the FBI director. It's not the attorney general. It is, in fact, the president of the United States. And what he did was he knew about this crowd strike and he knew about the corruption with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, and he wanted to get to the bottom of it, not because he was afraid of Joe Biden and the election. Look at what look at his candidacy. Look at Joe Biden's candidacy now. It's in it's in shambles, with or without Ukraine. It was always going to be in shambles. This guy is basically. He's lost. He doesn't even know what state he's in half the time. Um, he picks fights with uh, voters. <laughs> and so there was just – there. he's never won um, a state before in a primary. Uh, and he's ran uh, quite a few times – or not quite a few times, but I know he's ran in what, 84. Uh, he's never won a primary before. So – the, the chances of him winning this election was, was really slim to none. Um, but with that being said, Trump did not need to wipe him out. Trump was legitimately asking the president to investigate corruption. And that's exactly what he ran on. If you don't remember, uh, the biggest line in the second debate that got the crowd roaring was the fact that Hillary Clinton said, yeah, and the country should be, uh, I'm paraphrasing again, the country should be um, uh, worried if you were in charge of law enforcement or uh, maybe not worried, but um, that uh, we should be lucky that you're not in charge of law enforcement. And Trump responded because you'll be, because you'll be in jail. Trump knew the corruption in the, the Democrats, and Trump wanted to expose it. That's just who he is. Like him or hate him, uh, you, you don't have to like his personality, but you have to respect the fact that he wants to reveal corruption where it sits. Now, if you don't like the fact that oh, people will say, oh, he's investigating a uh, president, he's, he's a contender of his, and, and who cares? If the person didn't do anything to begin with, then what is the big deal, right? I hear that a lot. My mom always says that a lot. If you get pulled over and you're not doing anything wrong and you don't have anything in the car, don't worry about being pulled over. Well, Mom, I was going 57 and a 55, and I don't think that that's fair that I get pulled over. Or uh, uh, let let the cops search you if you don't have anything. No, we have rights. We have we have rights in America, and and that's the thing is that if if Donald Trump, if there was no basis of corruption, then I would understand, and that's why the media keeps saying that there's no evidence. This is a cons- conspiracy theory about Hunter and Joe. There, what? It, this isn't a conspiracy theory. Joe Biden was on tape bragging about getting the prosecutor in Ukraine fired, 
and holding $1 billion over their head. Now, if that's not evidence enough to look into it, I don't know what is. Now, they want to impeach Donald Trump on that, which they did impeach him on that phone call. But what I don't understand is the fact that um, if, if that was wrong of Donald Trump to want to investigate corruption within our political system, then what does a president do? In the, what, what, do what does a president do? He's going to get... Uh, he's going to get blasted out by the media if he asked Barr to investigate. He, he's basically his hands are tied. So Trump being Trump, he's going to ask him, ask the president of Ukraine himself. But here's a little secret. This phone call had nothing. The, the Joe Biden story was nothing to Trump. It was actually nothing to the Democrats because the Democrats didn't want Joe Biden to be uh, elected anyways. Proofs in a pudding on that because look at what's happening in the elections today. I hope you're following me here because the biggest part about this phone call between the president of Ukraine and Trump was not Joe and Hunter Biden. The biggest part of that phone call was Trump bringing up CrowdStrike. That is what scared the Democrats. But they couldn't let the public know about it. So what do they do? They highlight the Hunter and Joe Biden story. They highlight it. They say that that's abuse of power. The president wanting a political opponent investigating is an abuse of power. Well, what do you think that uh, Trump went through before the election? This Russia thing didn't happen. This investigation didn't happen after the election. It is known now that FISA abuse occurred, and it is known before the election that Trump's campaign was spied on. That is a fact. That is not something that a Trump supporter is just saying to take and, and persuade people. That is an actual fact. The FISA court said it. The FBI said it. The facts that, that, that an email was changed about Carter Page. The fact that there was no corrab- uh, uh, no, nothing true about the dossier that Glenn, Glenn Simpson and Fusion GPS and Christopher Steele created. There's nothing true in that. No factual basis whatsoever that they should have used that dossier as evidence to spy on Carter Page. But they did it anyways. So the whole phone call, <coughs> it wasn't uh, the 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 reason why the Democrats got upset was not because of Hunter and Joe Biden. It was because of CrowdStrike and Trump knows what's going on there. Now, 
Trump has his hands tied with the media and the election coming up. So there's really nothing that he's going to do this year. I don't I don't foresee that. Um, I think John Durham might come up with some indictments and some surprises. But I don't have any faith in our DOJ at all, even with Attorney General Barr, because if there was any faith in Barr, right, if I had faith in Barr right now, um, or if I uh, thought that the DOJ was going to do the right thing, then they should have done the right thing and locked up Andrew McCabe. That's that's another podcast. <coughs> so this week, uh, this week I signed up for Tinder. It's been a crazy experience so far. Uh, and let me tell you, um, I'm, I'm a single dad. I don't have time to get out. I don't go to bars. I don't drink. And if I, if I do drink, it's socially and I hate the taste of beer. So what do I get? I get a girly drink and automatically when I hold a girly drink, everybody thinks that I'm gay. So I don't usually uh, get out to bars because then I have men hitting on me left and right. So I signed up for Tinder and it's been as awful as a lonely Friday night uh, on my couch watching porn. Um, I got, I ended up paying for uh, a month. It was on sale. So they enticed me into giving um, them my money. And for the first couple days, I actually, um, basically, if you don't know what Tinder is, it's a dating app. It's where you can swipe right or swipe left. Swipe left, meaning that you're not interested. Swipe right, meaning that, okay, I think this person's hot. Because it's not, it's the, basically the most superficial um, app that you'll be on. So, um if you pay for it, basically you get to see who swiped right on your profile without having to swipe right and getting a match. If you don't pay for it, basically uh, you um, have to swipe right until you get a match and then you can communicate with each other. That's how Tinder works. But if you pay for it, you get to see who actually liked your profile before matching up with them. And I ended up uh, seeing that there was a uh, very beautiful blonde that um, swiped right on me. And I thought, okay, is this person going to be a fake or, you know, is going to be a, a cam girl or a prostitute? So for giggles, I went ahead and swiped right on her. And then I immediately messaged her, hey. That's all I had was, hey, because I'm not really good at this thing. Um, I might be a genius, but uh, when it comes to women, there is absolutely no one that's a genius about a woman. So uh, she said, hey, back, and we formed a conversation. And I thought, okay, this this is, this is cool. And um, so how about we hang out for an evening? She completely denied me. She said no, that she was talking to um, a guy who brung over wine and um, she had sex with. 
very blunt girl. I thought to myself, okay, so she's talking to the wine guy. That's that's what she called him, the wine guy. Immediately, it made me think of uh, that Friends episode that Monica was dating the wine guy, but uh, that's the nerd coming out of me. Uh, but uh, basically, um, uh, the very next day, I talked to her and... Um, I finally said, "Hey, you know, why don't why don't I come over just just to talk, just to hang out?" She accepted. And um she basically uh insulted me um 15 times, but I figured that well maybe she's just doing it out of jest and that's just her personality. She called me ghetto. <laughs> that my that my photos look ghetto and i'm not a i'm not a bad looking guy and i'm definitely not from the ghetto and um she also said that my girl my ex-girlfriend uh looked ghetto my ex-girlfriend i'm sorry but she's just downright gorgeous um so i get there and immediately our conversation uh we're laughing uh, our conversation is great on my end, I you know, I, she might think that I was the most boring dude ever, but uh, honestly, I think that our conversation went great. And then um, I ended up leaving, and she started talking to. She told me that she started talking to the Escalade guy, the guy that owns an Escalade, and uh, she's uh, currently. Um, uh, fucking him right now. Um, so that, that girl was definitely not a match. And, um, so I kept on, uh, looking through all the people that have been swiping around. I'm, I'm, I'm a fairly decent looking guy. So I did get a lot of women to swipe right on my profile. Um, but one stuck out to me. <clears throat> I thought I, I got a little alert on my phone saying that, um, a person, uh, liked my profile, I clicked open on it and there's no picture of a person. It's just like, uh, the background was just art. I thought that was kind of cool. So, and then I looked down at her profile and it said, um, she's a vegan. Okay. Well, I'll pass on that. Uh, she likes art. Okay. I love art too. And that she eats humans. So... I immediately uh, took and just thought that, man, I wish Tinder could give me a refund right now. But I'll give her a chance anyway, so I just swiped right. And no, I haven't talked to this girl yet, but I am dying for her to message me. Uh, I did meet a uh, girl from Croatia. And, um, that is, uh, this girl, um, is very impressive. She knows a lot of different languages. Uh, she moved over here while she was in high school. She's been a U.S. citizen for almost 20 years. And, um, uh, she definitely impressed me. And then there's, uh, others that, um, contacted me and is just as impressive, uh, so that's my luck on Tinder. I'm getting uh, girls that um, do a lot of duck faces. They do a lot of bending over uh, bathroom 
um, sinks and showing me their Wuhas. Um, but there are some decent ones out there that uh, it just takes time, I guess. So I'll update you guys next week on um, my tender. Now with uh, video games, um, I ended up <coughs> uh, trading in my Xbox One S and I finally got an Xbox One X. And now uh, the reason why I ended up getting it is because I hear that it's just a lot more powerful. Um, the streaming, you can stream in 4K, which I haven't done yet, but um, uh, I'll do soon. And then I also bought a Vizio P-Series TV. Um, a lot of people hate on Vizio. Uh, they always go with either Samsung or LG or uh, Sony. But I'm actually... A Vizio fan, and here's why. Vizio makes uh, incredible soundbars. And if you buy a soundbar and you buy a Vizio TV, they communicate really well together. Uh, you, don't need, you don't need to pick up five remotes just to turn up the sound. You can just basically pick up your TV remote and it will turn up the sound on the soundbar. So what I recommend is you getting the Vizio Dolby Atmos soundbar and uh you will not um it's theater it's it's better than theater sound the surround sound is just unbelievable it basically um encompasses your whole room it makes you feel like you're uh in the movie um and then also with the vizio tv the p-series tv i got a uh, 65 inch and <coughs> The uh, colors, uh, uh, listen, uh, right now the hottest TV is those Samsung's QLEDs. Those are the hottest TVs around. And by comparison, by eyesight comparison, I'm telling you, the P-Series does do, uh, is not, uh, if you look at the ratings on, on online, um, and the comparison between the Samsung Q series and the Vizio P series, uh, you will see that, <coughs> excuse me, you will see that, uh, Samsung beats them outright. But let me tell you, that is not true. Uh, Vizio, um, the color, the brightness, the clarity of the 4k, uh, it is hands down more beautiful TV than the Samsung. And I'm not just saying this as a Vizio fan. I'm not. If Samsung clearly had a clearer picture and the input lag was lower than the Vizio, there's no doubt that I would buy a Samsung. I'm not dead set on just buying one brand. But if you guys want a really good TV for about a third of the price, um, go and just check out the Vizio P-Series. Now, with video games, <coughs> I want to kind of go nostalgia on you. Um, I am on the fence uh, with the new consoles. 
the Xbox is coming out with a console this year as long and as well as the PS, uh, the PlayStation 5, it's coming out. <coughs> now, I ended up uh, taking, uh, I was a big PlayStation fan. Um, back in 2009, I ended up buying my PlayStation 3. And my little brother, he had an Xbox 360. And he always told me that Xbox was better. It was just so much better than the PlayStation. And I thought to myself, no, you're absolutely wrong. For one, the operating system that the Xbox uses is so damn confusing. The PlayStation had the XMB bar. It was very simple. You could go to the... Um, if you wanted to go to music, you go right to the music, open up the file, listen to music. If you wanted to watch a mo movie, you could uh, take and just slide through, go to uh, DVD or Blu-ray, and it would um, you could play a movie. With the Xbox, the operating system is, well, you had to go through all these different little um, uh, windows uh, to open up... Um, a thing uh, then then the the uh, chat uh, you had to go through all these steps just to get um, a party going with your chat with the PlayStation all you do is press the PlayStation button and invite somebody into a chat and then voila there you go uh, PlayStation 3 was just a simpler user-friendly system on top of that it did have better graphics and it did have a Blu-ray DVD player, which the Xbox didn't, and it did have better games. Now that could be argued. A lot of people think that you know Halo and Gears of War, uh, Xbox the last generation was just by far superior. But I don't just I don't think it was. <coughs> so I ended up buying probably, I would say. Um, and this, I know you guys are going to think that I'm bullshitting here, but I probably spent over three grand in games alone on the PlayStation 3. And I would say at least half of them were uh, downloadable games. And um, I bought things. Uh, here's, here's some cool games. If you still have your PlayStation 3 and you want to play some great games... Uh, here's what you need to uh, check out. <clears throat> First, Burn Zombie Burn. Burn Zombie Burn is basically a third-person type game. You're it's like you're looking down on the map. You're a guy who uh, battles hordes and hordes of zombies, um, and you have different weapons, and you try to get uh, through each level. It's, it's really cool. Uh, you don't... like. It's just a, uh, a a small map on each level, and different types of zombies, different things that you that the zombies do when they they run towards you, and it, it's just a really cool, uh, quick game to play. Another game, <coughs> which is one of my all time favorites, um, Fat Princess. Fat Princess is a game that uh, you work as teams. It does have a little short story mode that you can play as a single-player campaign. It's very short. Um, you could beat it within two hours, not even that probably. And it's just a really uh, – it's a good storyline. It's a good story mode uh, to play. 
but the excitement comes when you're playing against 32 people on a map and you basically have to carry a fat princess to your castle you got to rescue rescue your princess and um while um your enemy tries to defeat you if if you end up getting your princess and you're carrying her uh to your castle and the enemy kills you she he basically has to carry your princess back to his castle it's it's a really cool game it's a really cool concept if you've never played it i really highly recommend it it is very very popular and it's popular even today people play it today so that's one of those games that you can actually get online and you don't have to wait hours and hours to get into a lobby uh, a lot of people play it today so check that out Another game is uh, Tokyo Jungle. Tokyo Jungle is basically about you are an animal. You start out as a dog and you have to survive in the streets of Tokyo after the uh, after Armageddon, basically. There's no humans alive. It's all animals that run the city and you have to survive by eating, breeding. You have to have sex with other dogs if you're into that sort of thing and... Um, uh, create your little pups and then you become one of your little pups and uh, basically if you meet your goals as that animal then you unlock different animals and you get to play as those different animals and you have to unlock their goals to unlock more animals it's really cool um, uh, it's very different each animal is very different um, the attack mode on the animals are kind of the same. Uh, the strengths uh, are different uh, on each animal. <coughs> but overall, it's just very user-friendly. Uh, anyone can pick it up and play, and it is highly addicting. And then there's a game that uh, is like a hidden gem. And if you have YouTube, please... Uh, pause this podcast and I'm going to, I'm going to let you, uh, I'm, I'm going to take and, and kind of stop myself. So pause this podcast after you hear this name, it's called the last guy. So what you want to go on YouTube, search for the last guy, PlayStation three gameplay. Okay. So now after you watched a little bit of that, I'm telling you it, it, does not it does not look like the best game ever and i'm not going to consider it the best game ever obviously but i'm telling you this is one of the most highly addictive games ever and the reason why is just it uh you are basically a, if you haven't looked this up you're basically a little it's like a google map if you ever looked at a google map you'll see all these street views and stuff you're this little zombie or no you're this little guy who is supposed to save the world from zombies and what these zombies are they don't even look like zombies they're not like you know dead men walking around they look like insects they look like bugs that's big giant bugs walking in the streets of um uh, on your map and they're probably like you know streets from japan or something um but um it's got cool music in the background it's very upbeat 
And basically, you walk around these buildings, and when you walk by a building, all of the people that's in that building will walk, uh, will run out to you and form a line. And you basically have to take all these people into a safe zone without uh, getting killed by the zombie bug. Now, if it so happens that the zombie does hit your line of people, all the people will scatter back into the building, and then you have to restart and try to get them back to following you um the only way that you can die in this uh, game is that if a zombie hits you and you don't have anyone following you that is how you die or if the zombie uh hits you directly then you will die so that is a hidden gem there's probably 18 levels i beat all of them um, it, it is just, and they also got some DLC maps, which I purchased. It is just a great game. Uh, it will, uh, take hours from you and you'll love it. You'll absolutely love that game. Um, and then, uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell you my final game of this evening. Uh, let me tell you the story first. So I have a Japanese friend. He's from Nagasaki. Uh, <clears throat> he now lives in Texas and back in 2012, uh, he got his citizenship, uh, which I was very proud about. Uh, and he, uh, he traded games with me. Basically, um, he shared his account. I had his username and password for his PlayStation and he had mine. And what we would do since he knew that I purchased many games, uh, he would download the games that I would purchase, and then I would download the games that he would purchase. And let me tell you, he had a Japanese PlayStation 3. He bought his PlayStation 3 in Japan. And so basically when he went online to buy games, it was all Japanese games. It wasn't, uh, you know, the, the American-made games. I mean, I, I guess that he probably had that option, but it was just mainly Japanese games. And let me tell you something. Some of these Japanese games are so fucking weird. It's not even funny. Look up Cup of Noodles. Cup of Noodles gameplay. It is absolutely fucking weird. And I don't understand for the life of me why people play it. But one day uh, after uh, he told me to play this uh, game called White Swan. And it was absolutely um, just the weirdest game ever. It was kind of cool. Uh, it was different. Uh, you basically had a white canvas on the screen and you were painting everything. So that way things could come visible. And it was kind of like the whole uh, Mickey Mouse game. I don't know if you remember that. Um Man, what is that game? Uh, you're Mickey Mouse and you basically paint um, stuff and things appear. It was basically kind of like that game, but a more in-depth story, uh, more of an adult type story. And so after playing that, he called me up and he said, man, you've got to play this game. It's, it's called Sound Shapes. And I thought to myself, okay. This is going to be weird again, and I'm just not up for it. And I don't smoke marijuana, but I had a friend who offered me a joint, and I actually accepted it that day. So I smoked a little bit of it. And I'm all for uh, 
marijuana. I think it's it's pretty awesome, but that's a different topic. I don't smoke it now today. I don't. I'm not. I'm not like a. But I do not. Um, uh, I'm not against it at all. So, I smoked it that day, and I was bored. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and download this game and play it because he is continuously messaging me. Have you played the game yet? Have you played the game yet? And I keep telling him, no, not yet, not yet. And so he was like, uh, put on your Astro A50s. Uh, Astro A50s are, you know, they they say they're the best uh, headset that you can buy. I beg to differ, but I went ahead and bought a $300 set anyways. Um, so I put my headset on. I smoked me uh, a few hits of a joint, and I put sound shapes in. Now, let me tell you, Sound Shapes is basically kind of like a little small yellow, uh, you are a little small yellow circle, kind of looks like a Pac-Man without a mouth and eyes, and you go through these levels and you collect shapes, you collect these little circles that create music, and each time that you click on this circle, it creates a sound, and then uh, you collect another circle and it creates a sound. So basically, uh, when you're going through the game, it it creates a it creates a song. Uh, and I noticed that Beck, if you if you if you guys know music at all, Beck uh, is a musician. Uh, he won a uh, album of the year, I think, in 2015 over Beyonce, Taylor Swift, all of them. He's a great musician. Love his music. He has an actual um, album on that game. So basically, if anybody's played Super Mario Brothers, you know how, how, you, how you have one, a level uh, like 1, 1, 1, 2, 1, 3. Well, Sound Shapes, you have jock, uh, dis, DJs. Uh, each DJ is an album, and you have different songs on that album that you have to play for to unlock the second album of a different DJ. And so uh when I played it, I was flipping amazed. It was just honestly uh one of the greatest independent games of all time in my opinion that has to do with music. Um it was just phenomenal. And so I called him up about 3 hours later and I said I played through the game and I and I told him the same exact thing I'm telling you guys it was just phenomenal. I said that was just a brilliant genius game that anyone's ever created in the music genre. And he was said you're not finished yet. And I said well what do you mean? He said there's a creation mode you can create your own music. So all of the sound shapes that you collected you can create your own music now. And I was just floored away. So if you get time and you have, and it's on PlayStation 4 too. You can actually buy it on PlayStation 4. Um, it's called Sound Shapes. Uh, check that out. I promise you, uh, you will not be sorry. Um, but next, uh, my next podcast, I'm going to kind of get off of politics. I might do like a little two-minute segment, but I'm going to give you uh, the ins and outs of uh, my history with uh, PlayStation and Sony because there's actually an interesting story. Um, I was a beta tester for them uh, in the year of 2010, 2011, and I will give you uh, some details on that. And we'll also talk about GeoHot.
Hotz, George Hotz, and uh, the fallout between him and Sony. And we will also um, uh, talk about the hack that Sony had back in 2011, and uh, which is more interesting because I uh, was uh, a victim of um, uh, of that hack, and I'll tell you about that. So, uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, that is my podcast for this evening. Um, I want to give a shout out to uh, my good friend uh, Sean on Twitter, and. Um, Hopefully uh, you guys uh, will listen again next week. You take care.